As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Today is part two of the Huddle Up podcast draft preview focusing on the New Year's Six Bowl games with special guest Cameron Parker. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Hello, Broncos country, and it is time to huddle up 2018 draft style. I am avid football fan and draft fanatic Carl the Preacher Dumbler with my co-host Nick Cornbread Cornfed Kendall and joined by our guest again, Mr. NFL guru Cameron the Soul Man Parker. This is part two of getting you ready for all the big bowl games coming up and all the draft prospects that could be out there. And we got a lot to get to, so we just want you to know that this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you these draft podcasts every single week leading up to the draft and even after. With Nick, Cam, and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing you these draft episodes with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the player's skill set and how they might fit in with the Broncos. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH and Cam at Car- Cameron Parker PO. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football and the draft. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you, listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. All right, well, last time we were going a little bit long, so we decided to break this up into two episodes. This is the second episode of the two-part series, I guess, breaking down the biggest college bowl games with the most NFL talent. And Carl, it just so happens that we have the first game to talk about here, and it is the Citrus Bowl presented by Overton's in Orlando, Florida in Camping World Stadium. It's number 14 Notre Dame fighting Irish versus the number 17 Louisiana State Tigers. This game is also on New Year's Day, Monday, July 1st, and it's going to be at 12 p.m., that would be 11 o'clock for you mountain listeners out there. The line is LSU is actually favored by three, and the over-under is 55 and a half. And this is technically not one of the New Year's Six Bowls, but considering the talent in this bowl game and it being a decently ranked matchup, two, I would say two 
premier programs. I mean, I wanted to get it in there. And if we're already breaking this up into two podcasts, might as well enjoy ourselves and talk a little bit Notre Dame versus LSU. And I'm going to kick it off to you, Carl, because you picked Notre Dame. And I think, I think you would have just wanted to talk about the offensive line, but we got some other guys <laughs> to talk about too. Yeah. With Notre Dame, it always, it just starts with the offensive line. They just won the award for best offensive line in college football. And who won that last year? Uh, was it Iowa? The Hawks. <laughs> it was though it really was it was okay i was deciding between them and wisconsin but i figure if you're asking it's got to be iowa yeah no it, it's they, they have so much talent on this offensive line and and two guys that kind of depending on how the draft goes i think one of them is probably going to get a little overdrafted just because of of the the value of offensive tackle right now and just needing guys i don't know i'd say like 20 of the teams in the nfl need another offensive tackle if not more, if not more, if yeah, not more. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. And so let, let's just start with that guy. He was an all American this year and Mike McGlinchey offensive tackle three or six foot eight, 312 pounds. And a lot of people thought this guy was going to come out last year and was going to be in that fight for the first offensive tackle taken off the board. And he decided to go back, which I was I really was shocked by that, but had himself, I would say I was a little shocked. He was an all American. I think it had a lot more to do with the entire unit and how they played, getting him some recognition, and especially then the guy next to him that I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit. But Mike McGlinchey, he's he's a good offensive tackle. I, I don't want to take anything away from his talent because he does have talent. He is technically pretty very, pretty sound, really, when you're considering offensive tackles coming out of college. A lot of them are so technically just all over the place, and this guy is actually pretty technically sound. He has decent strength. To, to really push some guys here and there. He's a better run. I would say he's actually a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker, but that could be just because the entire unit is a better run blocking unit than pass blocking unit. But again, he just, there's something missing. And to me, it's just that sheer athleticism that you really like and having that left tackle. I view him as more of a right tackle in the NFL where you can allow, allow his strength to kind of show through and he's not going to have to be asked to move quite as much. He's going to get some more help on that right side but he also is that guy that you can move to the left side in an emergency kind of thing because he's played both positions. But I thought in at Notre Dame, if you actually watch, he played right tackle when they had, uh, what was his name, Stanley? Ronnie Stanley. Yeah, Ronnie Stanley. He played right tackle, and I thought he did really well playing right tackle and left tackle when he was left a little bit more on island. This guy just, he just doesn't move quite fast enough. He can get beat by speed. He can get beat by some power. He just... There's, there's a couple times a game you just see this guy getting beat. And to me, that screams right tackle. That's what you usually see from your right tackle. And they're not going to have perfect games. Left tackles, you're hoping that they're going to go out there and have pretty much perfect games most most weeks. I think of Ryan Clady when he was a, a rookie and second and third year guy, or I think he only gave up like half a sack over a two-year period. That's what you're hoping for from a left tackle. McGlinchey's not going to be that guy. So that's, again, why I'm not wanting to take him in the top 15 picks He's more of a late first round kind of pick for me, but like I said, he's a good talent. I don't want to take that away from him, but I think he's been hyped up so much just because of who he's next to. And because he's just been talked about now for two years because so many thought he was coming out last year. That that's what I see in his game. And then his playing partner, this is the guy (laughs) Nick always accuses me of having a crush on this guy. I love crush Quentin Nelson, offensive guard, six foot five, 329 pounds, 
And, and here's what I got to say about this guy. I have a hard time finding too many weaknesses to his game. He has power. He has bend. He is both good as a run blocker and pass blocker. I mean, he's one of those guys you plug in, and he's probably going to start for you at that left guard or right guard. I think he can play both because he has the power to play that right guard, but he has the feet to move like a left guard. I think you plug him in there, and this guy is your starter for the next 15 years, barring injury. He is just so phenomenal, and he's the guy that when you have a third and one play, you run it behind this guy every single time, and the defense is going to know. You're going to run it behind this guy, and he'll take two guys, drive him straight back. He is just so powerful. I love it. I love his mentality. We, we talked about that with a lot with Garrett Bowles. He has a, a fighter's mentality of, I want to knock the crap out of you every single play. And this guy, he wants to go knock heads off every single play. And he'll just, he, I love it. He does the whole stand over the top of a guy. Like, yeah, I just owned you. Thank you. Come back for more kind of thing. And <laughs> I just, I love him. I, I love him a lot. And well, I wouldn't take him where the Broncos are right now at that sixth overall pick. If they move back a little bit, I think this is a guy you think about. I I know a lot of people are sitting here saying, Connor McGovern, he's really shown something. I think he's shown enough to be maybe a average starter, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I'd say so. I think I'm, probably I'm, better at center still. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think more his position could be center than that of guard. So I still have right guard, left guard, depending on wherever you play Leary. I'd rather move Leary back over to left guard, but – I could see this guy. I know he's high on the Broncos radar. They love this kid. And there's a lot of reason. There's a lot of teams that like this guy because he's one of those guys you bring him in and he could as a rookie be an all pro at the guard position. He's just, he's so NFL ready. He would dominate at the NFL level this last year instead of being at Notre Dame. But again, just great player, but I got to keep going because I know we got a lot of players to get to and these podcasts have gotten pretty long. So uh, I'll go to the next guy. And this is one guy that you actually brought onto my radar. And that is Aquinas St. Brown. Is that right? Yes, you're correct. Just make sure I'm saying that right. Six foot five, 205 pound wide receiver. And I'm torn on this guy because there's a lot of things to like. I'll start with the, the things I like about this guy. He is, he's tall. He's lanky. He has an incredible vertical. I think he's one of those guys that probably could be playing in the NBA because he could out jump just about anybody. I mean, he, he just makes some phenomenal catches. He has very good speed for as tall as he is. And, and when I say speed, I actually probably mean quickness. You don't see a lot of six foot five guys that have quite the first step quickness that this guy does. He can get down the field in a hurry for you. And he has good long speed because he's got long legs that can get up to, to speed real quick. And he's just a, a vertical threat. Whoever gets him, and this is this is where, where I'm torn because a lot of these wide receivers, it depends on the type of team they go to. If he goes to an air raid system like you see with Bruce Arians, who might be retiring, might not be, depends which report you listen to, I think this guy could be a star because he just he fits that kind of system perfectly. But if you have him come to kind of more like the, the Patriots where it's the quick passes, I'm not sure that that's quite his kind of game. He has very good route running ability, but I just don't think he's one of those guys that can handle taking a ton of hits. He is very, very skinny for his height. And I just, I think in the NFL, he's going to have to gain 10, 15 pounds to be able to handle the beating that's going to come. He's just going to take a lot more big hits and he better be ready for it. But he does, he has good hands. 
Again, again, there's just so much to like about him. And he doesn't move like a six foot five receiver. He moves more like a, a six foot receiver. And and that's a compliment to him. But he can jump like a six foot five receiver with lots of vertical. Uh, he's not a great blocker. He has times where, like I said, his route running is good, but he has times where he just gets really, really sloppy. Or he'll cut off a route too quickly and quarterback thinks he's doing one thing, he thinks he's doing another thing. Just some confusion things that he's got to work on in his game. And he's got to work a little bit more on not always trying to get into a hand fight with the defender when they're playing press coverage. I've seen him do that a little bit where they get that good first punch on him and then he'd rather stay there and hand fight with them than get into his route. But again, good receiver, probably more of a, in my opinion, like a mid-second round kind of guy. But for the right team, he could be a good first round pick. And moving on here, we have uh, Durham Smythe, tight end, 6'5", 256 pounds. He's going to be at the, the Senior Bowl. He's a decent, he's a pretty good blocker. Not much of what I would call a huge receiving threat. Not my favorite tight end. Late round kind of guy, in my opinion. Not much I really want to get into with him. Because he just, he's, like I said, he's more of that blocking tight end. If you really need one of those, he's a late round guy that you can maybe, he has some athleticism, not a ton, in my opinion. But the other guy here, Josh Adams, running back, six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds, and I, I was really impressed watching this kid. He's got great long speed. He's got some power to his game. He's got some jukes to his game. I, he makes a lot of people miss. I don't know for that mid late round kind of running back. This would be the the kind of guy I wouldn't mind seeing the Broncos go get. I know that they have Booker, who's kind of more their ta- run between the tackles kind of guy, but it, I think this guy would be fun to watch. He's got some some real talent to his game. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Josh Adams is fun. He runs a little bit upright for my taste, and I think that leads to some balance issues. But he's a explosive guy, and running behind that good offensive line helps a lot because he can break it once he gets that that hole or that get to that second level. And yeah, he kind of thrown on me too. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say he kind of remind me of Latavius Murray. Mm. He's got that good long speed that if he can get up to speed, he's hard to bring down. He doesn't have that great first step, but you let him get to that second level and this guy could be gone. Latavius Murray is not a bad comp, especially for that height and long speed. And Quentin Nelson is growing on me. I don't think he's worth a top five, top six pick. But the top of this class, like in a normal class, I think he would probably be picked 10 to 15. But the top of this class, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think it has the, the top level talent that you see in a, a good year or a normal year even. I think the top level of this draft is... Pretty weak, especially after the top five, top six. So Quentin Nelson will probably be a top 10 pick. Maybe even, it'll probably be a top 10 player on my board with everything considered. But for me, LSU's, I mean, they have a good amount of talent on this team. Uh, two really good cornerbacks. Dante Jackson is a guy that probably doesn't get as much hype as his counterpart, Kevin Tolliver. But Dante Jackson, I think, is the one that impressed me the most. He really needs to add to his frame. He's 5'11", 170 pounds. And this creates issues with him struggling to get off blocks, and he's a terrible tackler and gap defender right now. You know, he gives it his all, but he just needs to add some strength. But talk about an explosive athlete. Probably one of the faster players I've seen this year. Very smooth, can line up very easily against those smaller twitch-wide receivers. Pretty loose in the hips. He's, he's got a ways to go technique-wise, and he's going to have to get bigger, but if you're looking for a kind of a project guy with huge athletic upside, Dante Jackson has it. He needs to do a better job in recognizing his routes and picking when he can gamble. He tries to gamble a little bit too much. I think he probably got away with it a fair amount when he was younger because of his extreme athleticism and his ability to click and close. But 
very good athlete, probably a year one project, not a guy you want to see a lot of year one, maybe as a returner, but he's going to have to add technique and add weight room, but the physical tools are outstanding. Then you have a guy like Kevin Tolliver, who's not as athletic as Dante Jackson, probably a little bit overhyped athletically, but has good size, 6'1", 195, 200 pounds. And I think he's a little bit stiff, uh, better kind of a, a bump and run kind of cornerback rather than a cornerback you want off coverage. They play him a fair amount of off coverage, and he just doesn't look great there to me. He gives up a little bit too much space, especially at the top of the routes, and that can lead to him getting pushed off routes and just just too much room, flat-footed and out of position. So it's it's an issue for him, and I also don't see great awareness. I do like his size. His length is great, and he is a solid tackler. Probably a day three guy. There are some questions about off the field and maturity, so we'll see if he comes out. He's a junior, same as Dante Jackson, both juniors, so we'll see if they come out. But normally cornerbacks, cornerbacks and running backs are like the two positions where those guys – go as early as they can almost every time. So we'll see, but two very fun young cornerbacks for LSU. And they have another really good young cornerback as well. That is probably going to be a future first round, second round pick named John Trey Kirkland. So look out for him. He wears number 13 and he might even get some looks over Dante Jackson and Kevin Tolliver. And they have another good freshman too. He's red shirt, uh, greedy Williams. So just, LSU, one of those teams that recruits with the big dogs and has talent every single year. Unfortunately, we won't get Arden Key in this matchup. He's sitting out to prepare for the NFL draft, which is unfortunate because Arden Key versus Mike McGlinchey, I mean, that would be a premier, premier matchup. And that's the kind of guy that McGlinchey has struggled against. Guys with length, guys with bend, you know, the size. Mike McGlinchey, his worst game I think I ever saw was either against Malik McDowell in Michigan State or this past season against Joseph Jackson in Miami. Both of those guys, length, athletic power, you know, all around guys, not just small twitchy guys, which McGlinchey can kind of overwhelm with size and technique. And Arden Key, I think would have taken McGlinchey's lunch money a few times. He's pretty raw and there are some off the field concerns. You know, what's his playing weight going to be last year? He was like 235. This year he got a 265, lost his ability to bend the edge and, you know, just looked not the same player. And then he looked great halfway through the season. So we'll see what Arden Key is. He's a very interesting player. I don't think he's as athletic as Leonard Floyd, but he has that size and, length and that kind of stand-up 3-4 edge type that Leonard Floyd is. So he's going to have to continue to work at technique and answer questions about his character, but Arden Key's a fun player. It's unfortunate we won't see him. And another guy on the defense that I think is worth calling out is Christian LeCouture. He's a defensive lineman. He's a senior. He wears the number 18 for LSU, which apparently is a big deal. Uh, reading about it, number 18 is normally for a team captain, so that's a big deal for him. 6'4", 305 with long arms, and his sophomore year, he looked really, really good, like a guy who could be a great fit in a 3-4 defense, but he had an ACL injury last year that caused him to miss most of the season, and it really it really just slowed him down, and he hasn't looked the same this year. Great motor, kind of one of those coaches-on-the-field cliche types, and you know, a guy that you hope will get it together because by all accounts, he sounds like a great guy, but just hasn't been the same since that ACL injury. So we'll see. Definitely a day three one and more of a disruptor than a producer in terms of statistics. So we'll see what he does. He's a fun player, but he's definitely worth watching. And seeing a defensive lineman wear 18, that kind of sticks out. And another guy worth mentioning, non-draft eligible, but potentially the number one linebacker in 2019 draft class, Devin White. Devin White is one that you definitely should be watching out for as a linebacker. Him and Bush for Michigan 
probably are the top two off-ball linebackers heading into next season. So look out for them. On offense, I won't spend too much time on Darius Geis. If you are curious about Darius Geis, go back a couple podcasts ago. I had Eric and myself on, and we talked Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis for a full hour, just those two guys. But quick little synopsis on Darius Geis, if you didn't hear that before. He wears number five. He's a junior, 5'11", 215 pounds, and he's, he's a banger. Runs great between the tackles, has great vision, looks to lower the boom. You know, he's kind of a guy where, you know, he's only 215, but he runs like he's 230, which I love. It's, you know, there are some injury questions there, which can be a concern, but he's he runs with power, he runs with vision, he runs with patience. Very good player. He's athletic laterally, which is something I really like as well. I'd rather have running backs who are agile than running backs who are just fast because – how many times a game do you see a running back or even a season break off an 80-yard run? Not that often. I'd rather have a guy who can get four or five yards consistently, maybe break off a 10-yard run every once in a while. And that's what Darius Geis brings. He's kind of a, a grinder, so to speak, uh, as Gruden would say, at least. And he's my running back, too, right now. DJ Chark is another one that's interesting, a wide receiver. He's a senior, 6'2", 190 pounds, and a senior bowl invite. He does a pretty good job run blocking, which at LSU you have to if you're a wide receiver. Honestly, you're probably more likely to do something for yourself as a blocker than a receiver because quarterback play for LSU is always garbage for some reason. Pretty good long speed for Chark. The ability to go up and get it as well. I have questions about his acceleration and route running. Is Does he have the ability to separate? Something you don't really see so much at LSU. But he's, he does have the ability to make plays down the field just because he has that big frame. He's going to need to continue to add to it. He's only 190 with 6'2". That's not great. And it, it means that he can get pushed off, especially at the top of routes. And his hands are just okay from what I've seen. So I think he's probably a day three guy, but senior bowl will go a long way. And then there are a couple offensive linemen as well. Three, actually. Offensive linemen that are worth men- mentioning. Toby Weathersby is a guy who's asked for his grade from the draft advisory committee. He's a junior offensive tackle. Six foot five, 305 pounds. He's decently athletic with adequate length. Moves well in space and gets to the second level. And for right tackle, his kick step and pass protection are fine. I'm not sure if he'll declare, but we'll see. He plays with good leverage and upper body strength as well, but he's going to need to continue to add to that. So that's going to be important for him. And I think he does have some starting NFL potential, but probably not year one. And then they have a couple interior guys as well. KJ Malone, uh, 6'4", about 300 pounds. He's actually the son of Carl Malone, which is pretty cool. And KJ Malone, I think he will play left tackle for this game, but he's a guard in the NFL. Strong at the point of attack, but needs to add technique. His his hands aren't very strong, if that makes sense. Like he can really jolt a guy, but he doesn't sustain blocks the best. So he'll need to add that, and he needs to work on getting uh, center hand control as well. He's too happy, you know, just getting his hands on the outside of the shoulder pads. And with a defensive tackle, that can spell doom. And then the, probably the best guy, at least at least from what I saw on this offensive line, is William Clapp. He's a center, plays center for them. He's a junior, six five, three hundred and ten. Uh, good athlete, great size for the position, has played guard and center. And he also looks like he has good length. Sometimes those centers, they kind of look like T-Rexes out there because they're they're big, strong guys, but they can't they don't have the length for guard or even or tackle or even guard. So what do teams do? They move him to center. And I see Clapp having actually pretty good length. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker right now. And he's going to, again, going to need to keep adding core strength because sometimes guys can get off of him. And he's had some injury concerns. So that's something to watch out for as well. Probably a day three player right now. I'm guessing he returns. A lot of times you don't really see centers declare early unless they are wow-level players. But a fun one, and definitely those three guys have been a big part of opening holes for guys and, in the past, Leonard Fournette. Very nice. Yeah, and that brings us to Notre Dame's defense, I guess. 
yeah. looking at their depth chart, it's it's not a team that has a lot of great after prospects on defense. Yeah. One guy to kind of keep an eye on is a guy named Jerry Tillery on their defensive line. He's kind of – their coaches love him. He's a hard worker. He's a, a guy that just seems to every single play want to bring as much energy as he possibly can. I mean, he does wear out as the game goes on because he's a big guy. And, you know, obviously big guys in the trenches, they just – they wear out as they go. He is a guy I like that he he fires off pretty low, actually, most plays. The game gets going, he does get a little bit higher, but I love his first step. Like I said, he fires off low. He usually wins the leverage battle, and he makes a, he makes a decent number of plays in the backfield. Uh, but College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Otherwise, I don't know if there's much really to, to say about him. He doesn't have elite athleticism by any means. He's probably going to be more of that nose tackle, one tech kind of guy in the NFL. He's probably going to be more used, try to double team, take on those double teams, two gap. But I mean, like I said, he, he shows more of that one gap style in college. But I think in the NFL, they're going to probably ask him to do more of that two gap just because he doesn't have that elite athleticism to, to really win through the gaps, I guess. Like I said, he has a decent first step, but it's not anything that gets you all that excited. He's going to be a good, probably a good locker room guy because he works hard. He's going to be, oh, he's going to be a good rotation guy. I just don't know if he's ever going to be that high-quality starter is what I would say about him. And the other guy is Niles Morgan, inside linebacker, six foot one, 238 pounds. And, again, just kind of a guy that's just a guy. He has decent skill set, but it's nothing that gets you all that excited. He's just kind of that late round guy that he moves decent in space. He'll make some plays. He can be a hard hitter at times, but I just see him out of position a lot. I don't see the greatest instincts. There's nothing in his game that gets me all that excited as a, as a prospect. And again, maybe that late round guy that is a depth for your team, just because we're going to need a lot of inside linebackers. I think there's a good chance we could lose what all four of them. Something like that. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, yeah hopefully not. But but again, this is. I would say we're going to lose at least two of them. So you're going to need two, probably one starter and at least one depth guy. And Niles Morgan, late round guy. I wouldn't mind him, but he's not going to be anything that's going to sit there and really make the needle move for me. I, I would rather get a guy with higher athleticism, but maybe not as refined as him. Just because, like I said, I just feel like he's a little bit limited in how far he can really go in the NFL. Yeah, I hear you. And I think LSU is going to win. They're favored by three. I think LSU probably wins by a touchdown. I don't see the talent on Notre Dame's defense to do things. And Notre Dame's a team that can't play keep up. But two teams that will punch each other in the face until one of them falls. Yeah, it's it's whoever can get that first score and, and continue to establish the run. And I like LSU's chances to do that more. Just Geis is, 
<clears throat> he's a he's a talent that is just off the charts. He's not Barkley, obviously. He's not Elliot or Gurley, but he's at that next level, I would say, that next tier of running backs. And uh, it just it's hard to, to fight against that. I think LSU has a better defense to handle what Notre Dame's going to throw at him. I just think Notre Dame's lacking talent other than that offensive line. That's who's going to have to carry him. Yeah, and we saw what happened when Notre Dame went against speed again with Miami and Georgia. Two teams with great speed on defense, they struggled. So we'll see what happens, but moving on. Next bowl we're going to talk about is, not Nebraska, but future head coach, Scott Frost, <laughs> University yeah. of Central Florida Knights. Well, I was going to say uh, future head coach and actually future the entire staff of the University of Central Florida. Oh, there you go. You're going to be talking <laughs> about a high-scoring, explosive, fun offense. The UCF Knights versus the Auburn Tigers. They're going to be playing in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, that beautiful new stadium for the Falcons. going to be the early game on Monday, January 1st, 1130 Central Time, so 1030 for you mountain people. A uh, nine-point favorite for Auburn, so not surprising a team that's – I mean, who has Auburn lost to this year? They lost to LSU at LSU. They lost to Alabama, and they lost to – no, wait, they beat Alabama, didn't they? They beat Alabama. My bad. Yeah, they beat Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop, they beat Alabama. Lost they lost to Clemson, they lost to Georgia, and they lost to LSU. So Auburn had probably had the toughest schedule in the league this I'm year. Gonna, I was going to say if they, uh, they didn't beat Alabama, they probably wouldn't be in this bowl game. Yeah, no, you're right. So <laughs> right. they lost to Georgia in the SEC championship. Right, right. Great team, a lot of fun, and I'm going to kick it off to you. We gave Cam UCF because you know he's just salivating about having a fun offensive-minded coach, Scott Frost, but UCF's got not the best NFL talent, but they got some guys to talk about. Yeah, they, they got some guys. Um, they'll, they'll probably end up being day three guys necessarily, but I, I mean, I could see them maybe creeping into day two, depending on the amount of work they put in the offseason. But, you know, you got guys like 6-1-201 for Jaquan Smith. It's, you know, probably a little bit more underrated as far as the explosiveness, but he's probably more of the you know, catch everything type of wide receiver, but he, he can show enough speed necessarily to move past a, or run past defenders. Their their best player probably is the tight end, the Jordan Atkins, the redshirt junior at six foot three, two hundred and thirty-seven. And you look at it, Evan Evan Ingram was what, like six what, six three, six four, something like that, but he was around two hundred and thirty-five pounds. But he was he was an incredible athlete that was able to run routes basically like Mr. Clean, but I'm not saying Jordan Atkins by any means is Evan Ingram, but he's very athletic enough that can spread the field if need be. And so I think that, you know, you look at their their quarterback who is very unheralded and doesn't get nearly talked about enough, you know, Mackenzie Milton. It's a very interesting situation for for UCF because they can put a lot of points up on the board. And so I think it's important for them that they actually, you know, try and see if they can get it to their playmakers. Because the one thing for sure that Scott Frost has done an incredible uh, job of is getting it to their best players and getting it to their best players in space. And so we'll see if they do one final hurrah for Scott Frost and that entire coaching staff. But the the issue with Scott Frost and that whole coaching staff is a lot like when Jack Del Rio and Adam Gase and and everybody was interviewing for that head coaching job during the, the week of the when they were playing the Indianapolis Colts in the divisional game, it was such a huge distraction to the point that it, it consumed that entire that entire week or entire at this point with the bowl game. It consumed an entire month, I should say, of preparation. So we'll see, you know, if that distraction is too big for them. But the offensive tackle 
Aaron Evans, Richard Senior. A little bit weight, a little bit too inconsistent. Good in pass protection, obviously, but it's just it's way too inconsistent. This this Auburn team, I'm I'm very very impressed with them and the talent that they have. And they have they have a couple guys here on this defense that that are going to be intriguing heading into this draft. And I'm going to start with a guy named Dontavius Russell, a defensive tackle, six foot three, three hundred eight pounds. And and this guy, he's got a lot of strength. He's good at uh, his ability to to drive his guy back into the backfield. Has decent athleticism, not not great. We're not talking about Rasheem Green here, but. Like I said, he's got a little bit more strength to him. He's got a little bit more ability to hold the point of contact than a Rasheem Green. He's got a few technical moves to be able to get into the backfield. He's kind of surprised with, not that he had limited athleticism, but but just with his athleticism, how many times he was actually in the, the backfield to make a play on the quarterback. The bad with him, though, is he's not great at shedding blockers. There's a lot of times where running back would just run right by him because he couldn't get off his block. He seemed to get a little bit more interested in fighting with the offensive linemen than actually going and making a play. So I'd say that's something that he's got to work on. He's got to get with a, 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 off, a defensive line coach that can teach him how to to win the hand fights and then go make a play. That was something I, we had with uh, with Gotsis his rookie year. He seemed a little bit more interested in, in fighting with an offensive lineman than going and making a play. Another thing for him is uh, pad level can get very inconsistent. You can see him when he fires off low. He is very good at penetrating, getting into the backfield, but it just it's too inconsistent for me to get too excited about him. I view him as a day three player, that round four or five area. I liked him, just didn't love him. But a guy that I do really like is Jeff Holland, six foot two, 240 pound outside linebacker. And Auburn, they have just been producing a lot of edge talent here lately. Carl, uh, or what, what was his name? Uh, Carl Lawson. There it is. I was going to say, and even D Ford. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love D Ford when he came out. Oh, my goodness. I wanted the Broncos to go get him. Yeah. Uh, his injuries have really hampered his NFL career. But when he's, when he's on, he's on. But Jeff Holland, he is the next up-and-comer at the, the outside linebacker position for them, that edge rusher. It doesn't sound like he's going to come out this year. If he does, Broncos should probably take a little flyer on him mid-round area. He's a guy that's not as technical coming out. He's not Carl Lawson ready, but he has great first-step quickness. He's got enough speed. He can win the edge, and he is an incredible hand fighter. That's what I love. He wins with his hands. He can slap an offensive lineman's hands right down to the ground, and he's not going to bend around the edge. Like I said, he's going to win more with his hand fighting, but he's a guy. He's got a lot of promise. I think another year, I think it's great that he's going to return from what I understand, but he needs to learn some counter moves. He doesn't really have any kind of inside move right now. Every time that he wins, it's him winning to the outside edge. So again, he's just got to learn a little bit more on that. And then he's got to work on his awareness. This is one thing I had to laugh on one play. He pushed his guy, the the right tackle. He pushed him about two, three yards behind the, the line of scrimmage. And then the running back ran right by him. But the running back ran into the, the backside of the other offensive lineman and just stalled there. And it was like this space-time continuum, like everything just paused and everybody just kind of stood still. And for like two, three seconds, this guy is like, they're, they're like touching backs, Jeff Holland and this running back. And all of a sudden, Jeff Holland kind of turns his head and goes, oh my gosh, the ball carrier is right there. And then he turns around and grabs the guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I was laughing so hard as I'm watching the watching a couple times. But again, just awareness. He just doesn't always know exactly where the ball's at on the field. He's more focused on winning his battle with the offensive lineman. And I think that can get him in trouble in the NFL. 
But again, good player, guy to keep an eye on, especially for the 2019 draft. I think he could really climb boards quickly. But the guy that's going to be getting all the hype uh, from this defense is Carlton Davis, six foot one, 200 pound cornerback. And this guy, he can match up against the bigger wide receivers in the NFL. <sighs> he just, he's long, he's strong, he loves to get into fights at the line of scrimmage, probably a little bit too much. That's going to be something he's going to have to work at, on at the NFL level is to realize you just can't hold as long as he does. You can't quite shove as much as you do. There's one play I loved. He was running along the sideline, and it was about 10, 12 yards down the field, and he just took the wide receiver and just shoved him into his head coach. And everybody's kind of, you know, everybody's throwing up their hands like, oh, my gosh, why isn't that a penalty? Well, in college football, you get away with that kind of stuff a little bit more. They let you be a little more physical. But NFL, he's going to have to clean up some of that. But again, this is a, a long guy. I think that the running joke from what I understand is that he can scratch his knees without bending over. That's how long his arms are. He's got good I've athleticism. Heard you heard that one? I've heard that one too. Yeah, no, he's, he's, his arm length is going to be insane. Yeah. So again, he's a guy that he's going to be able to cover a lot of ground just because of his height and, and length of his arms and body. And so he'll be able to match up against the longer receivers. He's not afraid to come help in the run game. I loved watching him in the run game against Georgia and their two-headed monster running back. Oh my goodness. He made some nice, nice plays, right? I mean, he was in space against two running backs that could be going in the first three rounds of the draft and he, he didn't miss a tackle. So very much like that. He's a guy, he's kind of hit and miss though. This is where the bad comes in. He's inconsistent at times. He just, this year didn't seem like he was quite as engaged when he was on I mean, he was he was unstoppable. I think uh, Pro Football Focus graded him as the best college football player in the nation week five against Mississippi State. He was just that good. He was targeted five times, didn't allow a single reception, broke up about two, three passes, helped in the run game. Just an incredible game. If you watch that one, you're sitting there saying, this guy's a top 10 pick. But again, there, there's a reason that a lot of people have him in that second round right now. And it's because he just... He's just inconsistent. He gets a little too aggressive at times, gets himself out of position. He has good ath- athleticism, but it's not like elite athleticism. He doesn't always have that extra gear to keep up with an, a wide receiver if he gets beat off the line of scrimmage. So good player, guy I really do like a lot. I think if if he came to the Broncos, I think he'd have a great opportunity just to learn from some great cornerbacks and and really refine his, his skill set. So I, I wouldn't mind this guy one bit. But one final player here to talk about, uh, from their defense is Trey Williams, six foot two, two hundred forty pound linebacker. He has the size. He looks the position of that inside linebacker. He's a big thumper over the middle. Has decent sideline to sideline ability. <clears throat> but I just I, I was left wanting with this guy. He always seemed to be a hair late in diagnosing a play, which would cause him to take some really bad angles. And I just. He was inconsistent in his block shedding. There's one game start off. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is our next inside linebacker because he would shed about three blocks in a row to make a play. And then he didn't do it the rest of the game. So I don't know what happened there. And then he's also had some nagging injuries that have really kind of defined his college career. Just missed two, two games here, three games there, that kind of thing. So decent player, but he just, I, I think those instincts, that's what I always look for in the inside linebacker. I always love those guys that, they're moving before the play starts, and you can see that they already know where the play is going, and he is not that guy. So decent defense for this Auburn team. I mean, there's a reason that they beat two teams that were ranked number one in the nation, and and it's this defense definitely helped out with that. Absolutely. Can't disagree, and they have some good offensive players as well on Auburn. Not as much, but some. Yeah, 
uh, a guy that I I really like is Carryon Johnson, six foot, two hundred pound running back. He is one of those guys that plays much bigger than his weight suggests. He is a very, very strong runner, does not go down easily, always seems to be falling forward, has a lot of, of yards after contact in most games, will force five to seven missed tackles a game. I think he had one game where he had like 10 missed tackles, which, I mean, that's that's astounding for, for a running back. He just, this guy, I was, I was very, very impressed. I think he's a little bit underrated at the running back position. They love to use him, especially on those third down and short plays. And somehow he would get hit in the backfield. I remember this is one of my big rants last year was the 2016 Broncos. How often third and short, you knew they weren't going to pick it up partly because the offensive line stunk and partly because the running backs couldn't make a guy miss this guy. He will make the first guy miss. He will take two, three guys sometimes with him. If he knows where that first down is and he's going to go get it. I, I just, I love that. He has surprising long speed as well. Does well coming up and helping in the blocking. Will scare, square up a, a defender and put his hands on him, not just try to get in the way. <sighs> he kind of reminded me, and and I know this is this is gonna like people are gonna go crazy here in this name. He reminds me of a lesser version of Leonard Fournette. Not obviously as big, but just his running style, having that long speed, having that guy that can pick up the extra yards, make a guy miss. Have I, I don't know. There's just something about his game that I really really like, but. There are some bad things. He isn't the quickest guy. He's not the get up to speed in a hurry kind of guy. And sometimes he just doesn't have always the greatest vision. But again, another guy that I just, I think could have a really good NFL career. And then Braden Smith plays right guard for him. Six foot six, 300 pounds. Here's the good of this guy. He is going to destroy the combine. This name is going to climb up boards in a hurry after the combine because everybody's going to freak out. I was told that they expect him to run a sub 540. He's going to have, I think the last time they measured it there in Auburn, he had a 33-inch vertical at 300 pounds. He has a broad jump of nine foot, nine and a half inches. And he has long arms, which is very surprising for, for a guard. I think he's one of those few guys that you could actually say that he plays guard in college but could play tackle in the NFL. He's very powerful. I, I was told that they had to shut him down in, in the weight room. They didn't want him to put any more weight just because they were worried about him getting injured. But when we're talking like Connor McGovern at, at Missouri and all the records that he set weightlifting, this guy might give him a run for his money in the weight room. He could be light on his feet. Uh, I saw a picture of him. I'm trying to remember who was their offensive tackle there in Auburn like two years ago. Big Robinson? No, the other one. I am not sure. Sean something. Uh, Williams? Maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, whoever their offensive tackle was, he was standing next to this guy. And as a a freshman, I mean, this, this, he doesn't have like that big belly like you see a lot of offensive linemen have. This guy is built. You you talk about Adam Gotsis looking like Superman. (laughs) That's what this guy looks like. I mean, he is just so built. It is, it is crazy. It, It is good weight at 300 pounds. That's that's what's great about him is it's it's not just hey I'm putting on weight just to 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 have weight it is I am that strong so this is a guy I'm actually very very excited about I really love watching him pull across the line of scrimmage uh, just a lot of things to really like about his game I I wouldn't mind the Broncos taking a, a shot at this kid 
Well, they definitely need help on the offensive offensive line. Um, absolutely. And, you know, the Connor McGovern thing is interesting because, you know, he's shown the ability to be versatile. He's probably established himself as a starter next year. But, yeah, uh, they need those really, really strong guys. So the, the Braden Smith thing um, is interesting. And we all remember Connor McGovern throwing up 700, you know, was it four years ago uh, when he was at the University of Missouri? So, yeah, um, but all of them really do, um, both Braden and McGovern, you know, definitely have that incredible strength. And, by the way, kickers are people too. <laughs> yeah, and they have maybe the best kicker in the, in the nation right now, Daniel Carlson. He is the leading scorer in SEC history. Think about that. Two years in a row voted as SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. Very strong, has a very accurate leg. There is talk that he could go – in the top four rounds of the draft as a kicker. Hey, Oh yeah. So very, very impressive <laughs> kicker. I watched all of his kicks from last year. I think he had like three missed kicks, two of them were because they were blocked, not because he actually missed them. And he's actually even sneaky athletic he scored a touchdown for him on a, a fake kick. So got to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think Broncos obviously take a chance on him after paying their boy uh, McManus, or as one of our friends likes to call him McMiss. <laughs> but yeah, an intriguing guy. I, I think he's that next kicker that could really surprise people how high he goes in the draft. Well, and for me, for on the defensive side of the ball for um, Central Florida, there's probably one guy that at least is intriguing uh, for the sake of him being a potential tweener. You know, a guy that is that safety, maybe linebacker, just for the just for what Tevin Smith has done with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that is Sequem Griffin. You know, for Central Florida. You know, a guy that could be um, – he's he has decent coverage ability, but also that really good, powerful linebacker, if need be, as well. So it, 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 he could be that, that hybrid, you know, linebacker with him being six foot one and 213 pounds. And he and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul should uh, think about actually trying to have a, a, a new hand. He, apparently, uh, Sequeen Griffin is missing a hand. Another one is uh, Antonio Garrard, but – that that's more like a day three, maybe undrafted free agent. I mean, the 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 defensive front and just the defense again entirely for Central Florida is. I think it's underrated. I mean, it's underrated from the standpoint that they were really good in their American Athletic Conference. But really, you're looking at the American Athletic Conference, which I mean, if they're playing against top flight com- uh, competition, necessarily like Auburn. And I think that that's why this game is important for these guys, especially for Central Florida, that are known for athletes that they have to show up big time to at least improve their draft stock. Mike Hughes, 5'11", 190. Jameis Pippen, also 319. He was actually invited to the East-West Shrine game. Uh, and, and he was, I believe, the only one out of the, the group of prospects that I'm looking at right now that was invited to the East-West Shrine game. So Pittman is, is probably their best defensive player, followed by uh, maybe Griffin. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see as far as the, the defense of Central Florida and potentially with uh, also this being the last hurrah for their defensive coordinator as well. If, uh, if the emotions, because, you know, we all know, especially with football players, sometimes emotion can also get the best of a football player's talent. So we'll see if uh, UCF, is, is far, as much as it could be a track meet, you know, shows up talent-wise with Auburn. Yeah, I got to say, I really like Mike Hughes, 5'11", 185, and I've heard that he might be a day two player even. He's a transfer from North Carolina, 
and just really good in coverage. It has 11 passes broken up this season, a forced fumble, and 44 tackles. He's also a really good uh, kick returner as well. He has two scores and a punt return for a touchdown this season. I know that he's so, really, I know he's really aggressive. Um, yeah, you know, and he loves to take those chances. And he has good size. He's going to have to pack some more weight, but he's athletic. I've got, I'm guessing I'll probably run about a four or five. And that size, I think he's probably he's probably my highest graded single player on that UCF team. Do you see Griffin as a tweener? I see Griffin as probably a special teams tweener type. He's just so small. But yeah. I mean, for playing without a hand, it's the, the like I don't think it was removed. I think he was born without a hand. And he's also the brother of that linebacker that or not linebacker cornerback that was drafted by the Seahawks last year in the third round, uh, Shaquille Griffin. So he's okay. got some bloodline and just uh, I think he won <laughs> some awards this year because he you know playing without a hand, playing at a high level. I mean that's. That's amazing. Well, that's going to be enough to put a lot of scouts um, and raise the eyebrows of a lot of scouts. Yeah, for sure. So I think, I think, sorry, I'm going to go with Auburn here. Big surprise. They're nine and a half point favorites. I'm going to go with the over on that. I think Auburn covers the spread. And it's, for me, it comes down to the trenches. UCF is, I know they have speed on the outside, but they have not played a team that's as good on both sides of the ball up front as Auburn is. And I just, it's going to ruin the timing of their offense, and it's going to really mean that Auburn's going to control the flow of the game, in my opinion. UCF is a good team. They run well. But I just think up front, Auburn's going to out-physical them, and I don't see. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner the size of the strength and the technique well yeah that's going to have have them keep up and i I think for me i mean ucf has some pretty good probably underappreciated athletes but um they haven't played an auburn team at all and and even to go along with it like i mentioned earlier the underrated you know story of it all with uh with scott frost and the entire coaching staff potentially being hired by a new school you know we we looked and saw exactly what happened with jack del rio and and potentially uh john fox and Adam Gase, when, when they were interviewing for head coaching positions or just coaching positions in general, that was a huge distraction for the team. Yeah. And so I think that um, that also could be a huge factor. They could easily, you know, because they've had a lot of time to repair necessarily, could be their last hurrah. But I just don't see athletically that they can keep up with Auburn. What about you, Carl? Yeah, it's got to be Auburn. Just talent alone, it's going to be hard for them to keep up. It's going to take some some great plays, and I just I do think the whole coaching thing becomes a huge distraction at this time of year for all these teams. I just I don't think that's always a great thing to do. I, I think that they should. I know they have to do it because of recruiting, recruiting. But I wish that they would wait for coaching hires until after all the bowl games. I wish they could figure out a way to do that because I just think it's unfair to these teams that have to go into this thing with the whole distraction. Coaches having to try to get on the recruiting trail already, all those kind of things. So I think Auburn 
really runs away with this one. Yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, there's always again that that narrative that you know they've they've been playing obviously with that likelihood that Frost was going to be going to Nebraska anyway. Uh, I mean, you know, you think back, it's, I think it was like last few games they were starting to get that hunch that he was going to Nebraska. But still, I mean, overall, I think it's okay necessarily that Scott Frost is coaching in the bowl game. You know, I mean, he's had a, an undefeated season. You obviously don't usually see that as far as uh, a coach want to be coaching in a bowl game necessarily. But I think with it being an undefeated season, I, I'm okay with the decision. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cause him a win or a loss, but it's going to be a huge distraction. Now, before we get any farther here today, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download on a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. The big bulls, the college football playoff semifinals, and we're going to start off with the one with the least amount of NFL talent uh, still two great teams, obviously. I mean, they're playing in the college football playoff semifinal, but Oklahoma versus Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Going to be Monday, January 1st at 4 p.m. Central, so 3 p.m. Mountain Time. The Georgia's favored by two points, and the over-under is 60. So to start off, Georgia has some good players on that offensive side of the ball. They got Nick Chubb. It, start, it starts with the running backs for them. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are two very dynamic running backs, probably the best one-two punch as far as running back goes in the league right now or in all college football. And although maybe Carr and Ronald Jones will give them a run for their money, but as far as draft eligible goes, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, they're also best friends, which is kind of a cool line. Jeb Blazevich, Blazevich, what a name. Good in-line blocking tight end, not a receiving threat at all. And then offensive lineman's probably not getting enough love. He plays tackle for them. He looks really odd at tackle because he's so short, but as, I think he's probably going to be a good center in the NFL. Isaiah Wynn. I've always been a big Nick Chubb fan. I hated when he had his injury just because he was just so dynamic. And it, it, that injury really did take some away, take some of his talent away. He's still not quite the player that I thought he was about two years ago. But still a guy that's, that's dynamic. He's still going to make plays in the NFL. And and there's a huge debate. Who is better, Sonny Mitchell or Nick Chubb? Depends I don't know. Need. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it depends what you need. So two great dynamic running backs for them. You just can't let up. It doesn't matter who's on the field. They're going to do well. But I, I agree. Isaiah Wynn, I think he's a guy. I, I'm excited to see him at the Senior Bowl and maybe get his chance to kick inside and see what he can do on the inside. But very, very good player. I'm going with the Nick Chubb um, because, uh, you know, that was – you're looking at a guy that some people's eyes were comparing to a running back that was potentially better than Todd Gurley, um, you know, in, in many eyes. And so, you know, his ACL injuries – they can change who he is as a player and the way that he runs effectively. And I think that he's, he's a very patient runner. He also runs with a lot of power, you know, as we said, not as much necessarily as two or three years ago, but it'll be interesting to see now that he is a senior and he's going to have an off season necessarily to prepare uh, and get a little bit healthy. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see with Nick Chubb where he is potentially because um, he'll probably end up getting invited to the NFL Combine. But it would be really interesting to see what kind of ability he does put up in the NFL Combine. Because if he puts up, let's just say, 
ecstatic numbers, but more importantly, he's actually moving more fluid than he was during his entire Georgia career, then Nick Chubb is going to be a running back that's going to be flying up the boards. I have him as a day two player right now. He's my running back five. I still like how he runs. He's got good vision, plays with great pad level. Guys just bounce off of him. You don't really see him lower that shoulder that much. But guys, I mean, he's so strong and thick in that base that... Arm tackles, guys just bounce off of him. He looks like rubber, and I love that with the running back. Good vision. If you're looking for a power guy that's running between the tackles, he's your dude. He's lost a lot of that agility and explosiveness, unfortunately, but still a really good running back. And then you got Michelle, who 5'11", 215. I mean, he's still got good size, but he definitely doesn't run with the natural power that Nick Chubb does. Little Runs a little bit more upright. But again, Carl mentioned earlier that jump, jump cut. Sony Michelle has a great jump cut, good route runner, good hands, more of the... I mean, they really complement each other very well, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to have a pretty pretty good time against Oklahoma because Oklahoma defensively is not much to write home about. I mean, as far as draft eligible guys go, they got a defensive end named DJ Ward. He's not a, anything special. Um, they have a senior transfer transfer linebacker named Emmanuel Beal. Again, nothing special. As far as guys who might get drafted, I don't think those other two will get drafted, but Jordan Thomas is somebody who may be based on traits, but he got demoted this year. Honestly, he's the nickel corner now because he was struggling so much. They also like their freshman and sophomore cornerbacks in Parnell, Motley, and Trey Norwood. So those are guys that are going to be matched up. But again, it's that Georgia run game that matters. And probably the best defensive player on this Oklahoma team, although I think he's a day two player, is Agbani Okoronkwo. He's an edge rusher. He's got a little bit of bend, but he's, he's small. He's six foot uh, and doesn't have great length. He's 245, so he's thick, but he just doesn't have great length. And a lot of times when he goes up against guys with more power or length, they can engulf him. So he's going to have to show the ability to play off ball as well to translate to the next level. He can't be a full-time edge rusher, in my opinion, kind of like uh, how Riddick was last year. Riddick from Temple transferred to off ball, even though he played edge rusher and dynamic athlete. I'm not sure that Okoronkwo is that dynamic of an athlete, but I really think Georgia is going to be able to run that football do you guys have any opinions specifically about Okoronkwo? Um, well, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, usually you see those, especially with Hassan Reddick, you were talking about it. People really didn't know a lot about him, and, and he was a great athlete. And so I think that when you look at these prospects, and I think we could look at this guy like a Okoronkwo. Uh, what? Okoronkwo. Okoronkwo. I was butchering that name there, but yeah. And, and so I think that when you look at those types of players, they, because of how athletically freakish they are um, and being an edge rusher, he could move inside if he wanted to. Um, But I I just don't know. And, but because he's so effective as an athlete, he could be a guy that could climb up the boards. And now it's much more interesting is when Oklahoma (laughs) has the football and just the number of guys that they have that they, they have the big three. All three have been discussed about first round picks, all three potentially the best at their position. Uh, of course, you have the Heisman winner, Baker Mayfield, six foot, 220 pounds, playing just amazing football this year. Really, just probably there's no quarterback running their team's offense as well as Baker Mayfield is running this Oklahoma offense right now. They have the behemoth, who I like to call Godzilla, at left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., six foot eight, 360 pounds. His dad is actually a former Brown. I don't know if you listeners remember, but there was a player for the Browns that had to retire because he was blinded in an eye after a ref threw a flag. You know, those flags have the weights at the end. The weight hit the guy in the eye and made him blind in that eye, and he retired. That was Orlando Brown Jr.'s dad. So a little interesting fact there. Hmm. And Mark Andrews, probably tight end one. Carl's probably one of Carl's biggest draft crushes in this class. 6'6", 255. He actually is listed on Oklahoma's depth chart as a wide receiver. 
So that's something to note. He'll definitely be a tight end in the NFL. Blocks decently well, especially at the second level. And I don't think he's much of a jump ball guy, but as far as set route savviness and explosiveness from the tight end position, I don't think there's anybody that comes close to him, barring potentially a guy like Dallas Goddard showing up big at the combine in the senior bowl. He's the biggest unknown. But I really like Mark Andrews. Orlando Brown, I'm not as high on as some of the media. I think he's a little bit limited. I think he, when you see him, he really wears down as the game goes on. You can see he starts to get a little bit lazy. He stops uh, lifting his feet as much. He starts to bend at the waist, which for a guy that's 6'8", 360 pounds, that's a big issue, in my opinion. If you want a right tackle, though, for a power scheme, I mean, he's probably the best there is in this draft as far as that goes. He's the best run-blocking tackle in this class for that right tackle power scheme fit. Kind of really reminds me of Trent Brown, who's been, Von Miller said it's the best right tackle in football a couple times, but I don't think he has the athleticism that you want for a zone guy, and he doesn't have the the speed and the kick step that you want for a left tackle. But he's he has a fit in the NFL. He's going to need to lose weight, but I like him. And then Baker Mayfield, you know, love him, hate him. He's playing great football right now. He's going to have to, honestly, something that I was watching, shout out to Vach Lombardi, uh, Vach Lombardi. He had a 40-minute video on Baker Mayfield, and he was pointing out that release. And Baker does actually have a little bit of a wind-up to get some speed on that ball. I don't think it's too bad, but it's going to need to be cleaned up a little bit. And then questions about his size and his maturity and everything. He just announced he's going to the Senior Bowl, so that's definitely going to be big for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if Baker Mayfield ends up a top 15 pick. I think media, the media is higher on him than NFL teams are, but he's going to rise up boards. And after the senior bowl, if you know he does well, passes the physical tests, he's going to rise up boards. I don't think he's going to pass Darnold or Rosen. He's not going to pass Darnold or Rosen for me either. But quarterback three, I, he's already there for me, and I think he'll probably stick it there. Oh, and then also well, I want to mention uh, Dimitri Flowers, fullback, super fullback, probably the best fullback in the country. I've been, again, Luca Pogles, and I talk a lot of players, and Dimitri Flowers, he loves him. 6'1", 245, another senior bowl invite. Kind of can do a little bit of everything. He's my fullback, too, because I really, really love Jalen Samuels from North Carolina State, but he's he transcends fullback. Jalen Samuels is a fullback, running back, tight end, slot receiver, outside wide receiver, wildcat quarterback. He just the, the ultimate chess piece. If he goes to New England, it's a wrap. I'm going to be very upset. But <laughs> Dimitri Flowers, really good fullback and going to go to the senior bowl and make some things happen. But, yeah, for this – Oklahoma offense, Cam, do you got anything for us? Well, other than that little tidbit we heard yesterday that the uh, Broncos will be in attendance to watch Baker Mayfield play. But Baker Mayfield, I, I understand the whole comparisons that people have been making to Drew Brees for Baker Mayfield. When you are bringing up um, about the small hands necessarily, that is a huge concern because you don't know if that can translate to the National Football League. But I, I think with Baker, he is such a gamer from the standpoint that he can make plays that if a play breaks down, he can – if a if a offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach was willing to make an offense that was literally a street ball offense or that run-pass option with a street ball mentality, Baker Mayfield would flourish just because of that's the type of player that he is. And he can, he can throw on the run. He can be mobile. And I think he's shown the propensity to throw in the pocket and throw a pretty accurate deep ball at times. So I think that for for Baker, he will be a first round draft pick, and he is he does have a lot of maturity issues. He's way less of a headache than Johnny Manziel. And then as far as Mandrews, talking about Mark Andrews, you know he is he's a good tight end. He probably is the best tight end in the class. He's a really really good receiving tight end. Probably an underrated bro, uh, blocker. I, I think that he's a guy that Carl and I were talking about it in the site that I have um, for Predominantly Orange in the chat room. And we're talking about how 
the Broncos could use a guy like a Mark Andrews uh, to to play alongside a Jake Butt. Uh, and I, I think that that would even go well, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's a Kirk Cousins, because it's going to be a new quarterback. And let's just say for the sake of argument that it is a Baker Mayfield. You know, you look at the comfortability with Andrew Luck in the first few years when he was in the league. He had Co- uh, he had Cody Fleener, and they were roommates together, obviously. I, I don't know if Mandrews and uh, Baker were, were roommates, but it helps with the comfortability, knowing that you had a guy that you played college with and was potentially one of your favorite targets that you now have on the same team. So uh, we'll see. Uh, They're both very, very incredible athletes and incredible players, I think, that could translate to the next level. Nick, you hit on something with Mark Andrews that I think is not talked about enough with this game, and that that is that he is actually a decent blocker. Most people view all the the crazy receiving stats and him running down the field and and things like that, but I, I like to watch him block. And I think that's going to be a part of his game that NFL teams are going to look at and say, this is a, a three down guy that we can leave on the field and they're not going to know what's going to come at him. I, I really do love the, the comparison to Travis Kelsey. I know Bronco fans don't like him, but he is a great tight end. He's probably the best tight end in the NFL right now. And if he can refine his game a little bit more, get a little bit stronger, I think he can become a top five, seven tight end in the NFL and become a matchup nightmare. So one of my favorite players, like you said, have a little bit of a man crush. I've only written a few love letters to him. But <laughs> Quentin Nelson I, I, and Mark Andrews are on a legend. You can only save one. Uh, Mark Andrews. Yeah. He's lighter, that's, so it'd be easier. That's a business. That's true. Issue. That is true. Well, yeah. I got to go Andrews. He just, he'd be the player I think would make the bigger impact for the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, we touched on it. I mean, you think – and I think what really kind of sealed it for me when you and I were talking, Carl, was the ability to stretch the field. Is that, I mean, while I really do like Jake Butt, I, I think that Mark Andrews has that unique ability to just stretch the field. And, we, and your example, when you were talking about the Aaron, uh, Aaron Hernandez and the Rob Gronkowski era, was the best we potentially may not ever see because of how unique every, every one of those tight ends were. And so I think that Mark Andrews could potentially be that type of guy that can stretch the field in a way that Travis Kelsey does. Yeah, I love him as a tight end wide receiver hybrid where you can play him in line. You can even play him at H back as a lead blocker, as a fullback, you know, get him in motion and then play him out in slot. I mean, even they even play him uh, single side where they'll have like trips on one side of the formation and Mark Andrews by himself on the other covered one on one by a cornerback and just tossing him up, toss it up to him at that point, because if he doesn't come down with it, at least he's going to knock it down. But if he does come down with it, good luck to the cornerback bringing him down. Because he, he's not the most elusive guy, but as far as straight line speed and power in the open field, he can take it. Travis Kelsey is a perfect comparison. I do want to see how he runs at the combine and everything, but I'm a big fan fan of him. And this matchup against this Georgia defense is going to be great. Georgia's got, this is probably the best defense Oklahoma has faced. I know TCU has good stats, but as far as NFL talent goes, TCU does not have many draft eligible players on that defense. They just run a really great system. Uh, same thing for other teams like Iowa State that they lost to and whatnot. You know, not many NFL talents that Oklahoma's gone up against besides that Ohio State defense, which really does need to be spoke, uh, talked about. That was a great game by that entire unit. But as far as Georgia goes for defense, they have a guy named Trenton Thompson, who is a very highly recruited defensive lineman, um, has been up and down, but he plays defensive tackle for them. And they play kind of a hybrid 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three front. So he's that under tackle, under tackle role. Can play some five technique, but mostly is that three technique. Uh, big guy, too. 6'4", 310 with long arms. He had a great bowl game last year. Honestly, his best game of his career. So we'll see if he can impact against this Oklahoma offensive line, which is not that good. They're good run blockers, but pass blockers, they are not. 
probably my favorite player on this team, not the best player, but my favorite player on this Georgia defense is Lorenzo Carter. Again, another really high recruit, 6'5", 245, bendy, athletic. He needs to work on pass rush moves. They don't really send him as much as they probably could because they you know, like to mix things up. But I think he's got a chance to be a really good 3-4 edge player, just a supreme athlete too, so long. And he's going to test, from what I'm told, he's going to test off the charts at the Combine. Davin Bellamy is probably the, the C version of Lorenzo Carter. Senior bowl invite, so we'll see what he does there. 6'4", 245. He's stiffer, but he's, he's solid for them. Again, another... 3-4 edge type player that's pr- pretty good. He had that – he gave Mike McGlinchey actually a pretty hard time when they played against each other. Best player on this Georgia defense, probably a top 10 pick, top 15 pick, is Roquan Smith. I've seen his weight listed anywhere from 6 foot – or not 6 foot. <laughs> He's 6 foot, but I've seen his weight listed anywhere from 220 to 245. So what he weighs at the combine is going to be big, especially for a team like Denver who's looking for a 3-4 inside linebacker. you got to have guys with size, but – Sideline to sideline, Roquan Smith is awesome. I think he's a better tackler than what we saw Ruben Foster was just as far as technique is. And he's not the best at getting off blocks, but as far as instincts and ability to beat guys to the spot, I mean, Roquan Smith is, is special at that linebacker spot. And finally, another guy that worth mentioning is safety, Dominique Sanders. Probably, he'll probably be a day three pick, maybe undrafted. Not the best, but he's coming down with a fair amount of picks this year just because he's playing behind a pretty good front. And somebody that Baker Mayfield is going to have to use his eye manipulation a little bit better because Dominique Sanders is a guy who will watch that corner quarterback in that single high safety role and break down on the ball and can, like I watched Baker Mayfield against Oklahoma state. He they did have a good game, but he had also had some really stupid picks where he was not manipulating that safety at all with his eyes. And Sanders is a guy that's probably going to come down with some of those picks. I'm going to, I'm going to start with, I'm going to talk about two guys here mostly. And you had mentioned Lorenzo Carter being one of your favorites of this group. And I just view him as that guy. If Von Miller can help teach this kid up, he could be special because he is just so raw, but his, his athletic traits just translate so well to the NFL. And that's going to be something that's going to attract a lot of NFL teams. He's probably going to get taken higher than what his actual day one impact can be in the NFL. But again, if you learn to maximize this guy's skill set, he is going to be phenomenal at the NFL level. I, I love watching this kid burst off the edge there. And then Raquan Smith, right now, if you're listening to this, I'm hoping that you've listened to our episode before this one, and you will know that Eric Trickle took this kid with the Broncos pick. He loves this kid. We have heard that the Broncos love this kid. We know that they're looking for inside linebacker help big time. Uh, there's a chance that they might have to take two just because uh, there's a good chance Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall could be gone from the Broncos after this season. And and this kid, he could have very special talent. Sideline to sideline, I would match him up against most any other inside linebacker, even in the NFL. Great skill set. Instincts, pretty good. He's not Luke Kuechly. 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 There we go. Sorry. But he is. he still has pretty good instincts for the position. So again, like you said, measurements are going to be big for him of where he's going to fit in the NFL, but great player. Uh, I just, uh, I love watching his game. He, he explodes to the ball. I, I think as far as the one guy, I got to go with the Roquan Smith because I was watching a lot of his stuff. And I think the one thing that really jarred my memory with him was the closing speed. His closing speed in, is just insane. I mean, the ability for him to recognize a play and it goes back to the instincts it's just insane. And I think back to the linebacker that Nebraska had 
a few, about three or four years ago, I think. And it was a guy that probably should have been drafted by Nebraska, or Nebraska by, but should have been drafted by the Broncos. And I, who was drafted, I think it was a pick after Brock Osweiler, was a guy named Levante David. And I think that as far as he's, I think, a little bit more electric of a tackler. I think he's a little bit more in tuned as far as even in coverage and, and even the ability to stop a run. But, you know, you think of maybe one of the more instinctive linebackers to come in the last few years, Roquan Smith, you know, fits the bill. He's the, the closing speed is, is near top notch. Yeah. It's going to be a fun matchup and definitely Roquan Smith chasing down Baker Mayfield. We're going to actually see how athletic Baker Mayfield is. There's some debate. Some people say he's really athletic. I think he's more slippery and nuanced than he is athletic. Some people think he's going to run about a four nine forty, which is not great. That's what you want from an elite defensive lineman. So we'll <laughs> see. Yeah, some people, you know, four six four seven would be better for a guy with his game. I think. And if he runs a four nine, that's that's a little bit of a concern for me. So Roquan yeah. going to be hot on Baker Mayfield's butt the entire game. <laughs> but we got to get to the prediction here. I'm going to go with Georgia. They're a two point favorite. And I just, I think that Oklahoma, while they do have fun offensive weapons, again, teams that normally win these games are the teams that win up front. And they have not played an t- offensive line, at least, that is as smash mouth and downhill as this Georgia team. And I think Georgia, you know, very much not in the spotlight compared to what Oklahoma is because of the quarterback. And I think Georgia's going to punch him in the mouth and make Baker Mayfield play catch up. I mean, that's... Not great. You know, he's he's definitely has the ability to do that, but I think Georgia's going to beat it, punch him in the mouth offensively, run that football with Chubb, control the flow of the game, and then get after Baker and stymie the run game against uh, for Oklahoma. I, I'm with you. I'm going to go Georgia. They are just the more well-rounded team, I, I think, for Oklahoma to, to win here in the playoffs. They're going to have to score 40 points at least each of these two games. And against these caliber of defenses, whether it be Clemson, Alabama, or Georgia – I just, as dynamic as their offense is, I just don't see them being able to do that two straight games. And I just think Georgia with their two-headed monster on offense, I think they're going to be able to keep Baker Mayfield on the sideline and just really control the clock, control the field position, make him have to drive the entire length of the field to score a touchdown. They're going to be able to get after him because, like you said, Oklahoma's offensive line is more of a run-blocking, not a pass-blocking offensive line. Sounds familiar (laughs) as Broncos, but... I just I think this is a game that Georgia's going to control from from the get go. It's going to take a couple turnovers, a couple lucky plays, kind of go Oklahoma's way, and Baker Mayfield play even better than what he's done already. You know, and I think as far as I mean, Baker Mayfield, we kind of established is going to be a first round draft pick. But you know, you think of all those cases that potentially could. Typically, we look at a full season or really a full collegiate career with a, a guy that could be a first-round draft pick if there's you know, any red flags or anything like that. You, you think of a guy like a Baker Mayfield, I think overall you have to look at it from the standpoint that if Baker Mayfield comes out and actually plays lights-out football and uses his eyes well and manipulates the defenses, let's just say Alabama wins their matchup to Clemson or Clemson wins their matchup, uh, with Alabama, and then you look at uh, even Georgia. If if he goes on a really good stretch, I, I think that Baker Mayfield will have potentially. I mean, there will be doubts, but he will potentially have sealed those doubts. But I, I think that you know the Roquan Smith and, and the chances potentially of both those guys is going to be a huge factor because if you think about it, Baker Mayfield does like to do a lot of chances in a football game. He likes to take a lot of chances, but in turn that bodes incredibly well for Roquan Smith, 
who likes to take chances himself. And so if he recognizes that Baker's going to be taking a chance, he's going to shut him down. So I, I got Georgia. I think that Georgia will cover the spread. It's only a two-point spread. So, you know, nothing crazy. And moving on to the most talented game. I mean, this is essentially an NFL football game. There is so much talent on both sides of the ball. In my opinion, the two most talented teams in college football. And I'm glad we get them in a semifinal because otherwise we'd be getting them the third year in a row in the championship. It's time to get a little bit of new blood in there if we can. But this game, this will determine who wins the championship, in my opinion. Clemson versus Alabama. It's going to be at 745 Central Time, so 645 on January 1st, the All-State Sugar Bowl in the Superdome in New Orleans. Bama is the four seed versus the one seed Clemson, but Bama is favored by three with the over-under, I believe the, the smallest of any of the games so far, at 47. And I'm just going to run through some of these prospects on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama. This is probably the, I mean, there's just so much defensive talent, I guess. We have offensive talent on both sides, but the defensive talent is insane. But offensive talent for Alabama, you have my running back four, who I am a big fan of, Damian Harris, 5'10", 220 pounds, uh, dynamic guy, better athlete. And I love that they don't use him so much because he's going to have more tread on his tires. But I, you dig in the tape of this guy, he's an all-around back, got great size, good vision, has the Jets to turn that corner. And also the best pass blocking running back in this class so far for me. I mean, he stonewalls guys. I love it. Bo Scarborough is the more heralded guy coming into the season, 6'1", 235. But he's not as talented as Damian Harris. Uh, classic saying is, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Runs a little bit upright, and he's just not dynamic enough as a running back to me. Good for Alabama behind a good offensive line, but not crazy good. And he's big-time injury-prone. Yes, high lots sc- of injuries. High school, torn ACL, broken leg. And uh, college, broken leg, just lots and lots of injuries for this guy. And he's older. Yeah. I saw he's like 24, 25. Yep. So he's somebody that I would not draft, period. I know he'll probably go day three, but I'm not drafting him, period. Just too many issues and not dynamic enough as an athlete. The interior offensive line for Bama is pretty good this year. All these guys are draft eligible. Bradley Bozeman, the center slash guard, he's a senior, 6'3", 315. Pretty good player. Lester Cotton is a junior guard might not come out. He's 6'3", 325. And then the other guard for them, a junior, Ross Pearson Bacher, 6'3", 305. And I absolutely hate Ross Pearson Bacher because he's from Iowa and he didn't go to Iowa. What Iowan's going to go to Bama? Gosh, darn it, Ross. Could have used you as a hawk. No, it's okay. I don't blame him. If Bama came calling, I'd look awfully hard at it too. And then they're probably their best offensive player. Well, their best draft eligible offensive player is Calvin Ridley, who Carl loves as well. And I got to give an honorable mention to Jonah Williams, offensive tackle. He, if he was draft eligible this year, I think he'd probably be the first offensive tackle taken off the board. He's a lot of fun and a very solid player. It'd be close with him and Connor Williams. And Connor maybe a little bit better athlete, but Jonah has better size and technique and hasn't had injury issues. So a lot of fun. And it starts with that Alabama run game, of course. Yeah, and for me, I, I think you look at Calvin Ridley, you know, you think of the history with uh, with what was there for Amari Cooper. Calvin Ridley, he's shown to be kind of a versatile wide receiver. He's a possession wide receiver, really good route runner, but he's also really explosive with the ball in his hands. So I think that, you know, you look uh, with, with Ridley, he's clearly, in my my opinion, I think he's one of the best wide receivers uh, in the draft. And then um, with Bo Scarborough, he's not as gifted a runner as Derrick Henry but I mean, it's kind of that same brand of football necessarily that was he's just big and he's going to run you over. But I think there are times where you, you look at Bo Scarborough and he's surprisingly athletic when he runs with the football. 
but I, I will have to do more necessarily with the with Damian Harris and watching him. But I've heard nothing but buzz about Damian Harris. I'll talk about a guy that you'd kind of mentioned there, Jonah Williams. I know he's not this year's draft, but probably from day one. I mean, as, as a freshman, this kid came in and he just looked like an NFL player. It, it is crazy how technically sound he is for being a college offensive tackle. He is strong. He just you just don't see him make mistakes. I saw a couple times this year. He had a few more penalties this year than than in years past. But beyond that, one of the most clean offensive tackle prospects I've seen in a long time for the NFL next year. Really wish he was coming out this year so that we could either get him or Connor Williams, but it is what it is. If he was coming out, there's no way that he would get past the Colts. He's a franchise-changing tackle, I think. Very just solid. I'm a big fan. And now moving on to the Clemson defensive side, they have just so much talent especially up front. I love Clellan Farrell. He's going to be the one that's mainly going up against Jonah Williams, 6'5", 265, probably a top 15 pick, a redshirt sophomore, but he's, he's coming out. There's no way he doesn't come out. Christian Wilkins is another guy that's been pretty hyped up. He's my defensive lineman five right now. I think he's a little bit overrated. A lot of his stuff comes from secondary moves. He doesn't win off that snap considering how strong he is. Reminds me a lot of Akeem Hicks, who's been a good player for the Bears, but you know, not elite. 6'2", 310 pounds, long. Where's 42, so he kind of stands out. Interesting player for sure. Austin Bryant, the other edge rusher, probably coming out 6'4", 265. Good player, probably a day two guy in my opinion, but good player. And the other guy on the defensive line, the best player on the Clemson defensive line is an eligible. He's defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence. Where's number 99? You cannot miss him. He is 6'5", 350 pounds, and the best nose tackle I've seen, probably the best nose tackle I've seen ever as far as a draft prospect. He's, he's a freak, absolutely just stunning player for his size and agility and athleticism at that size. He's more of a nose tackle type compared to Vita Vea. Uh, then you got a couple linebackers, Dorian O'Daniel, who's really just a great coverage linebacker, 6'1", 220, probably a day two guy. Kendall Joseph, another day two guy, more of an in-box guy, but 5'11", 230, athletic enough where he can go sideline to sideline though. And Van Smith is a solid guy as well, 5'11", 195, good player. This Clemson defensive line, I think is probably the best in all of college football. Just, just great. It's hard to argue when they have four possible first-round picks on their defensive line. Three of them I being possible what, top ten. Right. And, and you had – I can't remember which team you talked about earlier where the coach – one of the coaches had said that they had more talent than some of the, the NFL teams. Ohio State. Ohio State. I would actually agree with it for Clemson. I think there's some more talent on this defensive line than there are for some NFL teams out there. That's how crazy talented this group is. I love them. They have length. They have power. They have some speed. They can just beat you at every single position. You have to have a strong offensive line, one through five, to contain these guys. They can drop seven guys back into coverage the entire game, and your quarterback's still going to get hit a lot. It's just it's incredible watching these four work together. Against Auburn, I think they had 11 sacks. Just the defensive linemen. That's just unreal. And, you know, you think of the just the amount of beastie mentality that that defensive line has. That, I think, you know, you think of these types of games as far as the Alabama and the Clemson. um, That's really where you look at where they're going to have to win up front. Because obviously, you know, you you think of the strides that Jalen Hurts, I think that's the quarterback's name for, for Bama. Yes. He's taken strides this year. But if you can pressure Hurts and create a lot of opportunities for turnovers, that's going to be 
I think what wins and loses this game. So if they can, if the trenches is won by Clemson, which is also a possibility, then Clemson's going to win this game. And I know that people have said that Hertz is a, is a clutch performer. He plays in big games and that's fine. You know, but right now he could potentially be facing maybe the biggest front seven of his entire career. And he's just a sophomore, but still, he's facing quite a challenge of facing, you know, all of these guys. It's, I mean, it's insane. This level of defensive talent, especially on the defensive line, is absolutely incredible. Clellan Farrell has been my edge one for a bit. He's actually edge two for me now. I have Bradley Chubb over him, but Clellan's got more length, I think. Not as strong, but just a redshirt sophomore. He's, he's crazy good, and Wilkins, and I can't speak highly enough about Dexter Lawrence. The next year's defensive line class is going to be one of the best defensive line classes in a decade. Just so much talent. But offensively, Clemson doesn't have that level of talent. Both these teams are defensive-centric, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's good college football teams. You have great defenses. Uh, on the offensive line for Clemson, they have Tyron Crowder, who's 6'2", 340. He's a tank. Just a monster. He kind of – I haven't heard that much about him, but I think he's – I mean, he doesn't move the best getting to the second level. I haven't watched him too much yet. I mostly start with the tackles and then work my way inside. Mitch Hyatt's their tackle, 6'5", 300 pounds. He looks more like a right tackle to me in the next level, more of a pass-blocking right tackle. I don't think he's the strongest guy, not the most powerful in terms of his hands, but a solid guy at tackle. Moves decently well as well. Hunter Renfro is a redshirt junior. He had that game-winning touchdown catch last year, and he dates like Miss South Carolina or something. I don't know. Maybe he's the homecoming queen for Clemson. Either way, his girlfriend is very attractive. Worth shouting <laughs> out there. And he's been a clutch player for them, 5'11", 180, and – I'm not sure if he comes out because he's probably not going to be a super high draft pick, but when he comes out, he's probably just, they should just give him to the Patriots because he just fits their mold perfectly. And then their most talented player on the offensive side of the ball. Well, they have a freshman running back that's pretty talented as well. Common trend going on, I guess. But Deion Kane, he had a lot of hype coming into the season, and I feel like it's tapered off, and I'm actually higher on him now than I was at the beginning of the season. He played really well in that NC State game, and they Kelly Bryant, the running quarterback for Clemson's more of a runner than a quarterback doesn't really throw the ball the best, but Deion Kane has bailed him out a few times. And if Deion Kane comes out as a junior, he's somebody that I think has potential to be a wide receiver one in the NFL, given his athletic traits and ability to track the football and go get it. Yeah. The Hunter Renfro um, is interesting because he does fit that Patriots mode. And especially with the, the new found slot receiver, I, and who knows if he does come out, but he could, you know, we were talking about Cooper Cup earlier. He could be kind of that comp necessarily for a guy like a Cooper Cup, maybe with the sake that Renfro was actually playing for a, a higher and more esteemed you know, university, unlike, uh, you know, I believe uh, Cooper Cup was with Eastern Washington and, and so Hunter Renfro now with, uh, with Clemson. But Renfro, I, I think, can, can definitely turn some heads. You know, he, he has shown the ability to play – exceptionally well in big games and you think of the this game with Alabama he's shown the ability to do it before and I wouldn't be shocked if he did it again I'm with you on Deion Kane both receivers in this game Calvin Ridley and Deion Kane they've been hurt by not having that great quarterback play or at least that great passing quarterback play but they still go out there they make plays they they make the tough catches and I'm not usually you know me I'm more of a Calvin Ridley kind of guy I like the quickness. I like the ability to get open in a hurry. I'm not a big possession kind of receiver guy. I like those guys in like the mid rounds, late rounds. But Deion Kane, I like him even as a possession receiver because he's strong. He's got good hands. He's got, like you said, he's got great tracking ability. And he's actually got decent speed. 
he's a good athlete. He is. He's actually a very, very good athlete and makes the tough catches. I just, I do. I like him a lot. I like him more than last year for Clemson Williams. I was not a big fan of Williams. I, I knew he would go high, but I just didn't, didn't like him one bit. I like Deion Cain more than him. Yeah. Not, I, not as a first round pick, but if we could get him in the mid rounds, oh my goodness, I would love him here on the Broncos. I like wide receivers that are built like running backs because they normally have better yak ability and they can go over the middle and be tough and come down with some bigger things. And 6'1", 210, 215, I mean, he's, he's built. He's mm-hmm. certifiably hashtag thick. Yeah. So I like Kane a lot. And you're more of the wide receiver guy. But You're I, not wrong with this kid. Yeah, he's, he looks solid. I think he's underrated right now. He had some hype coming into the season. And because of just the great defense Clemson has and a quarterback that doesn't have to air it out, you know, they can play control the game with a run game. And if he was on a team that needed to pass the ball more, I think he would be getting more hype. So we'll see what happens with him. He's a good player. Um, some other guys worth in a shout out are Ray Ray McLeod for another wide receiver for Clemson, good player, uh, good athlete. And then again, I mentioned the freshman running back, Travis Etene. He was a very high recruit and he's the backup. But if you're looking for a big play from that running back, look for number nine, Travis Etene, because he is a dynamic player. All right, for the next three hours, we're going to be talking about the Alabama defensive prospects. <laughs> Seriously, if we really wanted to get in depth, it would probably take about three hours. My gosh, what a bunch of – I mean, we have – what did we have? Ten prospects listed here? Nine prospects? Almost their entire team. And that's not even like – this includes like backups. I mean, it's just crazy. You got Deshaun Hand, 6'3", 285. I think he was the former number one recruit. Never really lived up to that hype, but a good player from that defensive end spot, that 3-4 hybrid front. Isaiah Bugs is another guy that's really talented for them. Deron Payne might be one of the first defensive linemen picked in this class. He's right now my defensive lineman, too. I'm a big fan of Deron Payne. He plays that nose guard position for him, and there's nobody who controls gaps better than he does, in my opinion. You got some very talented linebackers as well. Rashawn Evans, potentially linebacker one in this class, plays kind of that Clay Matthews role for USC, where he's inside linebacker and edge rusher, 6'2", 235, great player. Minka Fitzpatrick, probably the, the leader of this team, six foot two oh five, plays free safety plays nickel black plays cornerback i mean he's he is probably a top 10 pick ronnie harrison 6'2 220 225 the box safety just moves very well great athlete i would love to see him in a 425 front with the three safeties because he can play that third safety role kind of that mark baron esh role where he's so strong over the middle if you throw it around him and he's throw a slant near him he's going to kill your wide receiver he changes what you can call offensively from the past game they also have a number of good cornerbacks. They got Levi Wallace, who I believe was a walk-on there, is now a starter. 5'11", 185. He's need to get stronger, but a good good cornerback. Tony Brown, another good cornerback for them, six foot two hundred, And then Anthony Averett, uh, 6'185". So all these guys are going to have to test well. They're all seniors, um, so Alabama's going to have a turnover next year in that the defensive backfield. But you know, all three are going to be drafted, and all three have good size for that cornerback position. And then guy that got hurt that's not going to be playing, but worth a shout out is Sean Dion Hamilton as well, six foot two thirty five. Uh, another guy who probably a day day three player because he's not going to test great if he does test at all, but he's got a chance to be a starting inside linebacker. Shout out to absolute freak on the defensive line for Alabama. He's hasn't gotten the hype yet, but he will be soon. Six foot seven, three hundred and fifteen pound Raquan Davis, another freak defensive lineman. When you when you see him out there, he wears number ninety nine, same as. Dexter Lawrence, look for number 99. Not eligible this year on both sides of the ball, but potential top 10 draft picks next year in terms of freaks along the defensive line. <laughs> Just so much talent. I can't, I can't believe it. Who, yeah. who are your guys? Well, you got to start with Minka Fitzpatrick. 
I mean, he's the the leader on that defense. He's that guy that's just everywhere making plays. He's just a freak top 10 player in this draft. I'm just always very, very impressed watching this guy. And, and there's just been those great safeties. Like there's usually been about one, maybe two per draft. And, and he is one of those guys. I, he can play cornerback. He can play safety. He's just that chess piece that you can move around. So really love his game. I'm with you on Deron Payne. Uh, if you have a terrible run defense, go get this guy. Go put him on your defensive line because he will day one make your defensive or your your run defense that much better. And then he has a little bit of pass rush ability to him. Not not great, but he's still it's still there. So great player. Another guy that I think is going to go first round. Just I don't know it, how how they keep getting. I, I know how they keep getting these guys because they have the best recruiting classes in college football almost every single year. But huge guys and playmakers left and right on this defense? Um, <clears throat> for me, I mean, you look at Deshaun Hand, you know, he, he's he been a guy that I know that the, the Broncos certainly are looking at defensive line or been looking at defensive line, and they, they've turned themselves actually into a really good defensive line. But with Demata Pecco getting up there in age, and while he's certainly been signed on for another year, you know, you look at it with with the Broncos, they still might need a guy that could backfill that spot, be that guy like Sylvester Williams was, maybe learning under the ropes of a of a uh, Terrence Knighton. You know, I think Deshaun Hand um, would be great with that. Mika Fitzpatrick is uh, would definitely be an interesting one, given the versatility that T.J. Ward showed as far as being that that safety, you know, nickelback type player, a guy that is uh, a phenomenal athlete. And, and he's a proven leader. You know, he's proven that he has the intangibles of being an incredible leader for a defense. And so, um, you know, you put him in with all the potential players that could be there or may not be there. I don't know. Um, but he would be a great piece to have on that defense and a potential uh, for another young player uh, to contribute. Yeah, so much talent. I think Payne, Evans, Fitzpatrick, and Harrison are all first-round picks. So you got four first-round picks on that Alabama defensive side for Clemson, first-round picks, probably Colin Farrell, probably Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence will be a first-round pick in the future. So you get a lot of talent, and Alabama's favored by three. I'm going to go with Alabama. I think they, being that four seed, they are the favorite according to Vegas, and they should be. They have more talent. And I think that back seven is going to suffocate Kelly Bryant, he's going to be forced to run around, and you're going to have Evans and defensive linemen chasing him. And I think it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be, I think, a low-scoring game as well. First team to 27 points wins, and I'm going to go with Alabama winning this one. I, I think it's uh, it's Alabama. I think especially with the national championship that happened last year, which was phenomenal. I mean, that was one of the better national championships that I think I've seen since the Rose Bowl uh, with, uh, with Vince Young. But I, I just think that with how that whole unfolded, as a phenomenal game that was, I think that's still a little assault on the open wound of Alabama. And I think that Alabama plays exceptionally well in this game. And the talent just seems to be a tad bit better. And so I think that they rise to the occasion, and I, I think that they do cover the spread. I'm going to go Clemson in this one. Ooh, being different. I do. I got to be a little different. I think that defensive line will – do really well against this Alabama offensive line. I think you're going to see Alabama's quarterback throw a couple of interceptions. I think you're going to see Christian Wilkins score a touchdown in this game. 
Oh, calling your shot. I am. They are going to put him on special teams and uh, do a fake punt, run it with him. Have you watched him do that in a couple games? Yeah, I think it was. He had a big pass catch against, I think it was Oklahoma in the college football playoff two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they, they liked uh, his athleticism is just off the charts. They, they can move him around and use him in so many different ways. I've seen him use him as fullback, tight end. Like I said, they put him on special teams to do a few different things. And so I think they're going to get a, a trick play in there that's going to be a big difference in this game. And I, I see it's going to be a close one. All the, these games are always close between these two teams because there's just so much talent and two great coaches as well. But I just see Clemson. I, I, I like their talent better. I think it's in better places. I like their quarterback better and Brian Kelly. I'm not a big fan of Alabama's quarterback at all. <laughs> and I just think that they misuse some of their other talent. So Clemson. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up this podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl MHH and find Cameron on Twitter at Cameron Parker PO and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find Carl and I's draft content at mile high huddle on affiliate of scout.com. And you have, Cameron over at Predominantly Orange and the Cameron Parker Show. Thank you for coming on today, Cameron. Sorry this went longer, but I mean, we could talk football for 20 hours. No, it's it's fine. And I'm not as in tuned as you guys are necessarily. Uh, I'm still kind of learning the tricks of the trade of kind of being coming a, a draft expert, but I'm getting there. I'm starting to learn a little bit of the tricks of the trade, but certainly when I have uh, Carl and, and you, Nick, it, it definitely kind of helps, uh, you know, ease a little bit. So thank you guys very much for having me, and um, I, I hope I can uh, come on uh, here in the future and, and help contribute. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Spreaker. We also have audio up on YouTube that you can check out. You can follow the account on Twitter at MyHighHuddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans, especially as that pertains to the draft. For Carl Dummler and Cameron Parker, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Happy holidays, and go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.